Welcome to Publishing Gribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Melina Benson. If you have ever gone live on any of your social platforms, I'm sure you have discovered the barriers to go live have very little to do with camera tips or which buttons to push. Instead, it has everything to do with how you show up on camera. In this episode, I talk to Luria Petrucci about how to harness the power of your most painful flaws to break through to your tribe on social media. Luria Petrucci is a live video strategist, and over the past 14 years, she has created over 5,000 videos with over 1 billion views. Luria taught me a lot about going live. I have been following her for years, and if you don't know her, go look her up right after this episode. And since I know whether or not you should do live video is no longer a real question in 2020, I wanted to bring her on the show not to share tech stuff, but to talk about how to show up as a real human being in your videos. What we're looking for here is how live video can help you create an engaged tribe. So if you are ready, let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Loria. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw you. I don't know. I don't remember which conference it was, but it was an online conference last year, I think. And I asked the questions like so many other people did. And okay. obviously you didn't have time to respond to all of the questions. And then you took time to send me a Bonjoro personalized video and answer my question. And you made such a huge impression on me. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that made an impression. Like it you, you do those things and you try and be personable and sometimes you wonder if it even works, you know, and uh, did they even open it? Did they see it? <laughs> but yeah. it's worth it every time. Even even for just, you know, the the one person that it does affect. <laughs> yes. And uh, indirectly you impacted more people because that actually led to my book Marketing Made Human. It was one of the pieces of the puzzle that I was missing. Whoa. It just it just sparked something in my head that that everything fell into place and I wrote the book and I created this podcast. So you're impacting more people with that small video than you know. <laughs> that makes my heart sing and thank you so much. That's so cool. I mean, it's you know, the, sometimes it's just those little pieces that you, you need and it it really has nothing to do with me it has to do everything with you and and your desire to to put that out there um but that's really cool that I could help be that final like puzzle piece yes. <laughs> thank you for that so first of all I always like to hear the guest business story what's your story Luria Gosh, how long you got? Uh, <laughs> so I started doing video online in 2005. This was before YouTube was even a thing and Apple had just released their very first video iPod. That was before the iPhone. And um, I started creating content and I just was kind of seeing how this thing worked, you know, and I was ge geeking out about it and all of a sudden I've got like 2000 followers and video, you know, uh, video subscribers. They weren't called that back then, 
But I was like, whoa, okay, this may be a viable business option. I didn't want to be doing what I was doing any longer. And so I'm an all in or all out kind of girl. (laughs) If I'm going to do something, I'm going all the way. And so at that point, I decided uh, to go all in and make it a business, not just mess around with it. And then I started live streaming, um, you know, a, a year later or so. And I grew an audience of about 2 million people, uh, fast forward about 10 years. And then I was uh, needing to grow up. I was 24 when I started the thing and I transitioned from doing tech news and reviews under the alias Callie Lewis. That's how I started and what I was doing for 10 years. And then I decided to teach what I had learned because the number one question my audience asked was, not what tech gear to buy was how do you do how do I do what you do right and so I was like huh okay well there's this whole world that I um, discovered and I wasn't aware of for so long about teaching what you knew and um, so I transitioned I let go of the alias I started using my own name and uh, started live streaming pros and started teaching and giving knowledge away and that was my happy place. Like I was like, this is what I'm meant to do. (laughs) So, um, it's been a journey of, I guess, I don't know, five years. I I need to go back and actually calculate that. But I think about five years that I've been doing that and live streaming pros and just, uh, growing and learning how to be an entrepreneur in a different way than I was before. Um, and it's been a, uh, an interesting process, <laughs> mistakes made all over the place, but I love it. And so I love, I, I love this world that we're in where I can help others succeed. So do you come from a more technical background? No, no, <laughs> I'm just, no, I, I, I didn't, um, I didn't actually go to college. I didn't, um, have any real like experience business wise or anything. I was 24 at that time. And I had, um, I had done a few different things. Um, uh, basically I didn't go to college cause I, w- I went to, I started modeling and, um, hated that world because <laughs> it was so fake since we're talking about being human, like, yes. was, like that, that was not human. <laughs> that was a very fake world and I did not feel comfortable in it. And, um, so that's why I didn't go to college, but I, uh, yeah, so I don't have a technical background. I don't really have an education per se on anything in particular, except the one that I've made. (laughs) Ah, you know what? That's such a relief to the rest of us who are struggling with the tech stuff. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, and here's the key to the tech stuff. You just play with it. You just, you cannot break this stuff. I mean, you can, but it's really hard to. Most things have a reset button (laughs) or a reset option. And it's really, I think most people get in their heads. And I saw this through the tech world tremendously. People just get in their own way when it comes to the tech. And really, if you just let loose of your fears and you just start playing with it, you'll figure it out. You know, it's not that hard. Um, but we make it hard, just like we make everything in life and our worlds hard because this gets in the way. The brain gets in our way. <laughs> yes, I totally agree on that. 
So uh, during, let's just say that within the last year, now this year has been different. I think we can agree on that. So how has live... <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so how has, how, how has live video changed during 2020? Oh man, live has grown. Um, people's perceptions of live has changed. Uh, live has blown up. I actually was quoted in a Mashable article around the blow up of live video. And it, it's it's so interesting because it was, it's always been there. I've been doing it since 2007. <laughs> like it's not new. Um, but Facebook made it popular in 2015, I think it was. And then, you know, people have been taking it on, but only the brave. And this year, everybody had to, everybody was forced into it. And so we saw a huge growth just because people were like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing this thing. I don't want to, I'm forced into it. So tell me what to do. And, um, it's pretty incredible to watch people, you know, when, when crazy times occur, people are incredible. Like if you actually pay attention to what they're doing, they are changing their lives. They're changing their businesses and therefore other people's lives in such positive ways through live video. Um, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm definitely not thankful for the pandemic, but at the same time, I'm thankful for people's reactions to it. Um, and so back to wrap back around to your original question, like, it's blown up and it's been so it's such a positive thing. Now people are actually taking advantage of it, actually paying attention to it and actually uh, knowledgeable about it. Whereas before there were only, like I said, the brave, the early adopters who were still, who were using it. So it's, it's been cool. So um, now going forward, we know that everybody knows what live video is. <laughs> Exactly. There's no need to explain it anymore. But it's interesting yeah. you're saying that they were forced into it. So if we're zooming in on the online entrepreneurs, eh, so why shouldn't they love it? <laughs> shouldn't they love it? Shouldn't entrepreneurs love live video? Yes. Uh, yes, they should. Um, <laughs> because it is the best way to build a human connection with your audience. Um, but it's scary. Uh, live is scary for people because, well, one, you have to get on camera <laughs> and they weren't prepared to do so. And um, that's scary for people, but also it's scary for people because live is live and you can't take back and people feel this need to be perfect. And so when it comes to live video, they are fearful of not being perfect. Therefore, you know, live well, they can't take anything back. They can't edit it. They can't, they just, they got to put it out there as it is and say their ums and ahs and um, be imperfect. It's just this rolling thing that happens in your brain. I call it the live adrenaline monster, uh, lamb for short, and <laughs> he attacks big time. <laughs> so I, I get it. But at the same time, what I discovered this year is that it doesn't actually, so I I've always taught on camera tips. And uh, it's easy for me after 15 years of being on camera to, you know, drill down the individual things that I do on camera to be more 
um, energized and to be a better on-camera host and et cetera, et cetera. But what I discovered this year was that it is not about those on-camera tips. It's truly about with us getting more comfortable and confident in ourselves, in the, in the internal and creating a mindset that is okay with who we are, flaws and all. And I call it uniquely you, being uniquely you, Y-O-U, uniquely you. And that is where it starts. If you can get that confidence, if you can find comfortability within yourself, then you're going to be soaring on camera and you almost don't need any on-camera tips. I mean, you do, but <laughs> it's it comes from within. And that's the toughest part of all of this. So... So you're not only going to feel better about doing it, but you're also going to appear more authentic, right? Totally, totally, totally. Like, so one of my biggest, I, I have a, uh, I started a podcast around the uniquely you concept and, and finding out who you are, because I started this process with a 30 day live challenge. So you go live every day for 30 days, the transformations from fear to completely comfortable with themselves, maybe not completely in 30 days, but much more comfortable with themselves. And um, it was incredible to watch them go through this process of being authentic and tapping into who they are, because we all want to be who we see and admire. And we attempt to be that on camera. But when in fact, it's actually much more vital that you are as you say, authentic to who you are and you stop trying to be this, what I call fake authenticity, where that's what you see online, all over the place, Instagram, like everybody's trying to be this fake authentic um, person because it's a surface level authenticity. Like there's, they are being them quote unquote, but it's the pretty version of them and it's not the full true version of who they are. And when we bring our flaws out and we tap into those, because the the key here is that flaws that we see are actually the strengths that other people see. Yeah. Can you say more about that? Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like, so when I, when I think about myself, you know, I, I see physically, I see all kinds of things wrong with me. I think my forehead's too big. My nose is too big, all this stuff. And that's what I see in the mirror. But other people, I I go through this exercise with people. I'm like, do you, have you ever thought those things about me? And like, a hundred percent of them have always said, no, I never, I never saw that about you. And so we have the same thing personality wise, the things that I think are flaws, for example, the fact that I grew up in a very sheltered environment. I have no pop culture references in my head whatsoever. I don't know any eighties music. Uh, and I grew up in the eighties. Like I, I have this uncomfortableness about my childhood. And that leads me to believe that that's a flaw, that I can't have a pop culture reference. I can't have an 80s conversation with anybody. And so for in the past, I've just wanted to shy away, walk away from those conversations. But what I learned through live video and through the process of being uniquely you is, or me, (laughs) uniquely me, um, is that that's actually something that my audience 
totally digs about me. It's not a flaw to them if you don't treat it as a flaw, right? So instead, what I do is I actually lean into that quote unquote flaw and I will make fun of myself. Um, and I'll, if somebody brings up a pop culture reference, I'll be like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's totally going over my head. You know, I'll lean into it. And in fact, my audience now has a um, hashtag that they use anytime I actually do get a pop culture reference. The chat goes crazy with like, hey, you got it, <laughs> you know? And um, it's now an, an engagement factor as opposed to a flaw. So these are the things about ourselves. We all have them, things that we believe we should shy away from showing the world because they're not the pretty versions of ourselves. And instead, we need to lean into them because that's what people find human about us. People want to follow human beings. And uh, you know that if you're listening to this podcast, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's, that's the core of what we need to believe and stop thinking Instagram pretty. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree no more. That's so interesting that you're, you're putting it that way, that you can actually make it an engagement factor. Yeah, I'm gonna. And that's like that's a huge takeaway also for me. <laughs> Good. If you if you can really do that and tap into it, and that's what I help people do. Like you. It, that's the number one thing people struggle with. Well, maybe not the number one, but like that's one of the biggest things that people struggle with when it comes to live video is getting engagement or content of any kind. And that is how you get content engagement of any kind. It doesn't matter if we're talking video, live video, podcasting, whatever. The engagement comes not from the content. It comes from you as a person. So the more you are integrated into your content, the more engagement you will get. And that's just flat out true. Sorry, like I'm not even leaving any room for that to be discussed because <laughs> that is what I see constantly. Like you will get some engagement from the content value itself, but not enough to make it feel like you have an engaged audience. So it has to come from you, your personality, your stories, your examples of things you've done wrong and right to teach and help other people. It's so, so powerful. Yeah. So we're, we're actually, um, we're not giving all of ourselves and we're, we are, we're not, we're not serving well if, if we don't do that. Yeah. It's not helpful that we're holding back. It's really not helpful to the audience. 100%. I had, uh, I was speaking in London at a conference and um, in the hallways, somebody came up to me and she was like, but my audience doesn't want to know all these things about me as a, like you asked me, and this was part of, part of my speech, but she was like, you asked us to identify who we are. I'm a mother. I'm a business owner. I'm a runner. And the list goes on. And she said, but my audience doesn't need to know the, the audience where I'm, I'm teaching, where I'm, I'm my business, they don't need to know about me being a mother or a runner. And I was like, you are so wrong. <laughs> I said that nicer than that, but you know, that's what people think is they segment their life and their business. And, and they're all of these different individual identities, which yeah. of course we all have different identities and we show up in different ways for those different people. Um, we have to, but your audience does 
actually want to know about you as a human being. Uh, your her audience would want to hear about her family life, her children um, going away to college. Uh, they would want to hear maybe. You know, you, you bring in the runner of you because you uh, finish a run and you had a brilliant thought or a thought of the day that you want to share with your audience at the end, in, at the end of the run. You just, you go on live and what I call a live stream, a very raw phone stream. And you, uh, you just talk about, you know, Hey, I just got finished running 11 miles, which <laughs> if you can do that, I, I am so jealous of you. Um, <laughs> I just got me. Yeah, no, I am not a runner. (laughs) If you can run, uh, you know, all right, just got done running and I have this thought and I wanted to share it with you because I think that that you will find value in that today. And then you share that thought and then you end the stream. And that's, those are some examples of how you bring your personality into, right? Um, and your life in these different segments into your content, or you use it as an example. Maybe you use, uh, your kid said something funny or brilliant or made a mistake, um, and got back up. And, uh, you take that as a lesson learned into your content, shift it, share it as a way to share your value that you are providing to your audience. Just use those little bits of examples in your content. And that can be really powerful. And also I literally just shared a little bit of myself by saying, I can't run. I don't run. Like I'm not a runner, right? Those little quips, those little, like little tidbits thrown in. That's how people get to know you as a human being. Yeah, and as an entrepreneur, I also find that's one of the biggest privileges that we have, apart from, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff. But, well, one of the biggest privileges is that I don't have to be a corporate brand anymore. Yes. I can be myself now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's a huge benefit, and we don't tap into it enough. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. So I think it will be too comprehensive to a cover everything you should do as a newbie. And I think these were some very important uh, takeaways already. Uh, So I want to dive a little bit into multi-streaming. How do I do it in a clever way? Mm -hmm. Should I go live on all platforms as one, as many places as once? or, Or do the platforms prefer native content? How does all of that work? Yeah. Um, so, I always ask that when you're just starting with live, that you focus on a single platform. Live is requires a lot of multitasking, and it's not something you're good at right away. Uh, nobody is. <laughs> so when you start live, you're going to fumble, and you're going to have to figure it out, and you're going to have to learn the software, and you're going to have to deliver the content, and you're going to have to read the comments. There's a lot going on that you need to get good at right away. And so the fact that you're simulcasting to one platform is enough. (laughs) Once you get good at live, then you can expand your audience. But too often, you know, we are looking at all of the different platforms and we're like, I want to get a bigger audience. Well, it's really valuable to actually have a smaller audience right up front because you're learning, you're growing with them. They're teaching you a lot of stuff um, by their reactions. And so you, you're getting comfortable through a smaller audience. 
and that's super valuable. So never poo-poo the small audience. Um, you know, we all want that instant gratification of a high number that we see show up, but it it comes with time. And so unless you've already built a hugely engaged audience and other platforms that you're bringing to. But anyway, once you are ready to simulcast, um, platforms don't uh, stop you from, you know, they don't um, knock you in the algorithm from simulcasting. So that's a positive. Um, you need to be careful about the culture in which you're streaming to. So I don't want you streaming to Twitch and Facebook at the same time, for example. Two completely different conversations happening on those those platforms. Um, and so be conscious of that. Facebook and YouTube are two that work really well together. While there are some, some uh, dif- differences in terms of language and culture, mostly it's the same and it can cross over. So uh, you, yeah, in, in terms of uh, there, in terms of the how um, depends on if you're a Mac or a PC, what software you're using, which is all in our trainings and stuff. But um, like, it's definitely possible. It's definitely a positive thing if you don't do it too early. Um, and it can really benefit you uh, from an audience growth standpoint. But yeah, I just I just fear that a lot of people just take that and run with it too early. When you're not focused, and this goes for anything in our businesses, when you're not focused on building one thing, you're splitting your focus and then you see less results throughout everything. Yeah. How about LinkedIn? Is <laughs> how how widely spread is that uh, to have li- the live functionality? Not very at all. Um, they're very, very uh, limited in terms of who has it. Uh, we can't even get it. So at live streaming pros, can't get it because they have this weird rule that you can't teach live video on LinkedIn live video. <laughs> Don't know why that exists, but it does. And so they won't let me in. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at getting some people, uh, cause we have some students of ours who do stream there. So I'm, I'm going to working on like some content around it, uh, from other people since like I've been trying for two years and I can't get in, oh. but it's not very widespread. And it's not, it's not seeming to me that they are actually putting a lot of, um, effort behind it in terms of algorithm, uh, algorithm, you know, stakes and, and all of that. Um, I, I almost feel like it might die, but they may just be taking their sweet, sweet, slow time. Yeah, they usually do. <laughs> <laughs> they have done that in the past in other areas as well. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's forgive I'm terrible at LinkedIn in general, but <laughs> so, um, Are there any difference in uh, how much help do you get from the algorithm across different platforms? Are there any difference? Where should I start if I want to get the most bang for the money <laughs> or for the time? Well, it depends on you and your audience and your content in terms of which platform to go to. Um, so the, if your audience is on Facebook, go there. If your audience is on YouTube, if you're creating searchable content that has long you know, term benefits um, and searchable Uh, benefits, then YouTube would be the the place to go. So it depends on the type of content that you're creating, as well as where your audience is naturally hanging out. Um, 
So that's number one. You get benefit. Yes. Um, so YouTube, they actually benefit you while you are live. If you do, um, if you do a searchable title in your live stream, which people don't think ahead on live, they just go live and they don't really put much thought into it. You need to prepare in advance your titles, your descriptions and all of that thumbnails. Um, but you, if you have a, a searchable title and um, you're talking about the keywords that um, like literally YouTube is paying attention to what you're saying, as well as what you put in your title and description while you're live, you can show up at the top of the search results. Uh, so that's a huge benefit. Um, Facebook does something similar. You know, they, 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 uh, love live because it's longer form content. So guess what? It keeps people on their platform longer and it's the most engaging. And so um, all platforms love live from those two perspectives uh, because the more engaged people are, the longer they're staying on their platform, the better it is for that platform. So that's something to consider. Uh, but Facebook will benefit you for sure, uh, algorithmically. But here is the key to any algorithm engagement. <laughs> you don't get much benefit if you're not getting engagement. Um, you get some benefit to help you start that process. But the more engagement you get, the better results you will get from the algorithm. So get engagement early. That's why I do. Um, so I don't know if you've seen lately, my countdown timers are transparent. And so we have a countdown timer. We do a 10-minute countdown. And I am dancing in the background. There are things happening. I'm showing the Abby cam, my dog. Um, and, you know, like we're, it's a pre-show. It is a show before the show. We are entertaining the audience in some form or fashion, even without speaking. And so there's music playing. Everybody gets a, has a great time. That is strategic. It's not just something I do um, so that I can dance for 10 minutes. <laughs> I get enough workout. Um, I, that's strategic because one, the platforms will take a little while to send out those notifications. And so it takes 10 minutes, it takes 20 minutes for your peak to happen. And so you want that benefit of the algorithm. And if it's an engaging pre-show, then you're getting the engagement early on, right? And so the fact that I'm dancing and there's good music, people are typing. They're just like typing away. That's engagement to the audience, to the algorithms. They're going to send out more notifications. I'm going to get more people showing up. So it's very strategic. And if you, if you are going to do live, I want you to have a strategy behind you because doing live for live's sake, doing anything for anything's sake is not going to help you. It's just going to be a drain on your time and energy. So that, that was one very good engagement tip. Do you have others? I, I know you've done something about messenger bots lately. Yeah. Um, if you're streaming to Facebook, uh, messenger bots uh, are very powerful, very, um, they're not the most fun to do because <laughs> they, there are a lot of rules these days from Facebook on what's okay and what's not okay. But, um, you know, I can provide you a link to training on that from somebody else. Um, and we have some free videos about it as well, but, uh, They, it's um, Molly Mahoney is, by the way, the, who, who teaches bots and who I learn from. Um, I, so bots can be very, very powerful for engagement. So what they do, if you use them in for live video, 
is you can have somebody type um, a keyword uh, to get a free PDF or to get a link to a video or whatever you decide. And if they're typing in that, that keyword, then the bot will send them a message privately from your page. Those are comments. So those are engagement, right? Now, Facebook does value longer comments, more words, more than five words. If you have, if you have a comment that has one word versus six words or more, then that's the six words or more is going to benefit you in the algorithm more than the one word. But at the same time, it is still engagement. So while it doesn't have the heaviest weight, all those comments coming through is, is benefiting you for sure. So um, they can be very strategic and very uh, uh, a very good form of, of getting that engagement and getting people to take that first step with you. A lot of people don't want to engage right away because they don't yet know who you are, you know, like they don't necessarily know. Um, sorry, my dog is barking and that's totally okay. <laughs> We're human around here, right? <laughs> Except for the dog. <laughs> well, the dog is not human. <laughs> well, my dog is, I'm pretty sure my dog is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think I finished what I was saying there, but in terms of other forms of and how to get engagement, it all wraps back around to the personality. That's what we were talking about earlier, right? Is <laughs> um, getting the personality out and putting you into your content. The more you do that, the more engagement you will get. So we talked about that earlier and in depth, but that's really the magic and the key to success with engagement. But I also have a video on my YouTube channel, seven rules for engagement that give you, it goes um, deep into some tactile, tact, tactile, no, practical, tactical, tactical, I think. <laughs> I don't know what word. It's early around here <laughs> and I haven't had my coffee yet, <laughs> but um, so uh, some very, practical, tactical uh, tips to get your engagement up that you can do in your videos or your live streams or any content. Yeah. Okay. We can link to that in the show notes, definitely. Yeah. Is there a difference in how I should, this is uh, going to be some, one of my last questions. <laughs> is there a difference oh, <laughs> in how to use live video in different parts of the funnel? Yeah. Okay. So when we talk about the funnel, we're, we're talking, you know, um, there, there's so many things I can say here. Okay. Let me break it down. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I break it down into live for leads and live for launches, right? So when you are talking about funnels, you first have to get leads, um, into your world and then you have a launch of some kind or a promotion of some kind. doesn't matter if we're talking about a course or a book or anything like that. So if you think about live in that way, live for leads, live for launches, you have segmented um, efforts with those, right? So your live for leads is primarily what you're doing. You are going live weekly, same day, same time, every single week, so that you're creating a habit with your audience. And you're giving free content. And in those videos, you're linking to a free PDF or some kind of thing that gets people onto your email list so that you are generating leads. 
not just through live, but through your whole system. You need to be generating your, you need to be increasing your email list through your live video for sure, because that's what you control. You don't control Facebook. You don't control YouTube. You don't control LinkedIn. So you must be using your live video to grow your email list where you can control that contact and that conversation. So um, you're going live weekly. You're providing tons of value. You're building that relationship with your audience. And then when it comes time for a promotion, You've got an engaged audience. They are loving you. They're showing up weekly for you. They're on your email list. Then you go into live for launches mode. Now, the trick with live for launches is that it actually starts way earlier than you think it does with buzz building. And so through your live for leads focus, you can actually start to build buzz towards a launch throughout six months if you want. Um, and you can be like, you, let's say the book, right? So you wrote a book and uh, you can start talking about that early on in the process while you're writing. I talked about in um, uh, recently, I've been talking about the fact that I'm going to write a book um, about the uniquely you concept, but that's as like, I don't have a book yet, but what I'm doing is I'm teasing the launch. I'm getting them prepared for it, emotionally invested in it. So you tease and you build buzz throughout time, throughout your live for leads. But then when it comes time for that launch, you go into that heavy promotion cycle. And so you're still doing your weekly content, but now that's sending people to a webinar or to your launch or to your sales page, whatever that is for a specific period of time. And so that's how you break that up and use it in different parts of the funnel. Now, you also, I talked about live streams earlier, raw phone streams that are not produced. They're not um, your weekly content. Um, You can use live streams throughout a launch incredibly effectively um, if you, because that actually makes it feel more human. And so a lot of people are scared to sell on live. And if you start to integrate life streams where you're just casually hanging out, you're talking to your audience, they're, you know, seeing your personal life, things like that, then that helps a launch feel less sales pitchy and more human. And guess what? When people are connected to you as a human, they are going to buy from you because they love you and they're invested in you as a person. So they want to see you succeed. I have people who buy from me all the time who don't actually want the content. They just buy from me because they appreciate my content, my free content. And they may not even want the paid content. They may not even ever go through it, which I hate actually. (laughs) I want them to, but they do that to support me as a person and as a company, right? So those are the kinds of things that can happen and how you use live in different parts of the funnel. I think that was the perfect ending of this podcast episode. (laughs) That was beautiful. I couldn't have pre-written this better than you just said it. (laughs) Nuria, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love having these conversations. (laughs) Thank you so much. My friend, can you even stop smiling? I think Gloria is quite contagious and I hope she inspired you to start sharing a more complete image of yourself in your live videos. 
I want to end this episode inviting you over to my weekly live video sessions in the Course Creators Cafe, which is my free Facebook group. This is your safe space for real conversations about your entrepreneurial journey and also a great space to connect with me and others who share your path. See you there live? Bye for now.